It's time to put on makeup. It's time to dress up. America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers. New opportunities. Clicking sounds. Sounds that reveal the presence of radioactive rays. The instrument, a Geiger counter, is converting radioactivity into sounds we can hear. This is episode 71. Yay. <laughs> well, and we actually are broadcasting from fairly tropical Madison, Wisconsin. It's finally tropical Madison. Oh, geez. I think it hit like 67, 68 today. Yeah, yeah. I got to say 71 is a very handsome number. Oh, yeah. Yes. Very much so. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Tonight, our topic. Oh, I'm sorry. Of course, with me as always is Victor. Hello. And Tor. Howdy. And I am Sputnik. Tonight we are going to discuss the life and career and achievements of Jim Henson. But first, Victor, you've got something for us on a movie? All right. You know, I do. I do. And I, I got so excited about this movie that I saw just yesterday that I thought, my God, I have to mention this film in the podcast for those who haven't seen it. Time Crimes. Whoa. Have you ever heard of this film, Time no. Crimes? No. I hadn't either. I walked into the video store just looking for something to rent. I ended up mm-hmm. getting a Tell No One as well, which is also a great French film. Okay. But I, I saw the box for Time Crimes, and it looked like your, it looked like your basic horror movie, but, uh-huh. it, but it was about time travel. And then uh, it had a blurb on the front of the box from Ain't It Cool News. <laughs> Oh. And I said, well, I've got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought it home and watched it. It's a Spanish film. Okay. Um, in our region, it was, it, was, it was set to start with the dubbed English. And, and two minutes of that, and I had, to tur- I had to turn off the dubbing, turn on the subtitling, listen to it in, right. in Spanish. And, uh, you, know, you get that Steve Reeves uh, kind of overdub, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> By the beard of Zeus. Now, like we said for Miyazaki, it doesn't matter if it's animated. But if it is if it is a real person, it just takes you completely out oh, of God, it. Oh, God, yeah. So Time Crimes is the best time travel film I've seen in years. It's it, Have you seen Primer? Because Primer is a sure. modern time travel film written by a physicist, and, and it's a fantastic time travel film from, I think, Ooh, 2003. I have seen Primer, yes. Yeah, Primer's great. Primer needs a primer on it just to understand what is going on. Yeah. There are flowcharts on the internet where you can follow who's time traveling where and what yeah. really occurred. This one is a little bit simpler than that. I can't say anything about it other than it's awesome. It starts out a little clunky in the first five minutes, mm-hmm. but but by the end of it, it was it was a great, great film. I was so excited that I randomly stepped into a wonderful f- movie experience. So wow, Time great. Crimes, see it, it's awesome. I will definitely look for I'd that. I'd love to hear what you guys say about that one. Okay. Sounds very interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, well, 
I myself uh, went, you know, my love of subculture. I just happened to hear on the radio that they were having a gun and knife show just outside of of Tropical Madison, Wisconsin. Check out the well, gun show. I got two tickets <laughs> to the gun show. And so I, you know, I had to check it out just to see because as our listeners probably do not know, Madison is very anti-gun and there are very strict laws about handguns and so forth and and um so if they have these, they're very far and few between, usually held in some of the little bedroom communities surrounding it. So this was in Middleton, which is, you know, close to mm-hmm. where Mrs. Sputnik and I reside. And mm-hmm. so I went out there. Oh, my God, it was huge. Not to mention a total freak show. So if you walked in there, you, there was really not any kind of weapon you could not buy. They had sippos. They had blackjacks. They had knives of any kind and description. They had. Um, Did you wear a disguise like a baseball cap, like curled? Real a tight? disguise would have done me no good because <laughs> these people were all going as they were, and that was bizarre. My personal favorite was the old man uh, uh, in, in a walker walking around with an SS helmet. Oh, that that was that was choice. So was that his own helmet or? You know what, Tor? I didn't really. You don't want to ask. ask. It was yeah. just, you know, it's like. It's Aren't like, you supposed to be in Brazil right now? <laughs> yeah. It, it's like you know, it's like the, that that wise old saying from Mexico: um, "Don't don't stare at the naked crazy man." <laughs> but or point, you know, or anything, you know, fill in your own blank there. But yeah. So they had you know all of that blow guns, um, anything you wanted for hand reloading. Pistols of all kinds, shapes, and descriptions. Rifles, anything you wanted. And then, of course, my favorite was the specialty shops. Was, well, this is an authentic reproduction of uh, brass knuckles from Chicago. And it's like a reproduction in that, oh, it's a non-working model? <laughs> no, they're brass knuckles, okay? I mean, just just uh-huh. let it go with that. Um, oh, I try to think of some of the other things that they had. Did, did they was stop? there an Asian world of mar- martial arts stand there? <laughs> no, 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 no. This was all, you know. Throwing stars and blow. Peace through <laughs> superior firepower. Did, did they stop at semi-automatic, or was there any way to get automatics? Um, It was for class. If you had a class three license, you could buy. The way you get an automatic is you get a file. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Down the, the mechanics are not ah, that difficult to yeah, go to yeah. selective fire. But, well, yeah, yeah, I understand but they all, that. They, they had all sorts of um, interesting handguns like broom handle mousers oh, I and love Walt. those oh me too I saw one of those at a uh, what a Gander Mountain or Cabela's and oh, it was way too much money for that oh well yeah mm. and the Walther P38s Lugers I think it was John Sable that did that to me the yeah. comic book <laughs> yeah no kidding I need a broom handle mouser <laughs> what do you do put, put face paint on and I don't know that's right and then, of course, everyone's uh, favorite uh, kid-tested mother approved the Romanian Kalishnikov. <laughs> yeah, fires when full of mud. Uh-huh. A Kalishnikov would be fun to have. Oh God! And they had they had all kinds. They had the kind with the folding metal stock and and so on. And it was oh, were their prices like outrageous or cool? No, actually, they, I thought they were fairly reasonable. But did you bring a shopping cart home? <laughs> no, but there were people that you know were making several purchases and walking around the the, the show the 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 floor with like three or four rifles like slung over their shoulder and there were guys walking around with handguns yeah like you know strapped up and i thought well okay whatever the one of the weirder ones was there was a, a stand that collected 
um, Japanese Imperial Army memorabilia. So they had like whole uniforms, like and, made in occupied Japan and Katans, stuff, or what? Katans, or regular. You mean World War Two era? Or? No, World War Two era. Like yeah. uniforms, like they probably took off. Of oh, somebody. okay, okay. And then you know all their the katanas and uh, you know all the other things. And then of course uh, all the U.S. Army manuals, like know the Jap soldier, you know <laughs> things like that. Oh. And they had the classic um, redneck T-shirt uh, bumper sticker stand. Nice. Let's just say there's a lot of people there that did not seem to be pleased by the election of Barack Obama. When was this show? Were, yeah. weren't they? It was last weekend. Okay, so they were getting ready to go teabag people. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, and yeah. I hope our listeners have had an opportunity to teabag. <laughs> you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. And we mean yeah. that in the nicest political sense. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, well, it has been uh, actually in the news that uh, gun sales are, you know, through the roof now. Well, they're they're all scared, and I've yeah, heard I, this conversation many times. Which uh-huh. uh, Obama's going to take all this away from us? It, it, we're not going to have anything. I, and it and it's funny because you know we live in the liberal community, and right. if there was uh, people getting and pushing Obama to take arms away, we would know about it. You know, I did. It would be the buzz in Madison that let's get rid of all the guns. But it's not. It's totally off the radar. No, no, it's it's it's, yeah. it's off the table. I, uh-huh. I did read uh, and and I will credit this to Cinema Suicide, I did read that they're remaking Red Dawn. <laughs> oh <laughs> what, for all the questions that were left unanswered? <laughs> Wolverines <laughs> I think I think it's the Chinese that invade us in this new version of Red oh, Dawn. Oh no! You, you have to see some of the some of the uh, trailer things that are. Yeah, I was I was I was appalled, and then I was shocked, and then I was like, okay, fine, do it. And yet I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> Who would play Swayze? Oh God, yeah. Who will be Charlie Sheen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> will he learn his lesson this time? <laughs> I'm thinking no. <laughs> yeah. In any case, well, it's a good time for that, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I mean, that was like one of the weirder later Cold War pieces. Oh, I loved it. Red Dawn. Oh, God, I did too. Love Red Dawn. I laughed myself. I had tears running down my face. But there were people that I knew that I think actually took that as like a floor plan or something. Oh, I was younger than you, so I was just like, we will dig trap holes in the ground and (laughs) pop out of them and kill the Russians. Was that the one where they invaded Alaska? No, Colorado. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. If you're going to start an invasion, South Park's the place to be. Oh, God, I see. no kidding. I, I'm thinking of a different one <laughs> where they somewhat, they invaded, the Russians invaded Alaska, and then the defenders had to hide in uh, storm sewer uh, pipes that were like stacked up. No, Tori, up. you're thinking of Red Dawn, I'm pretty sure. Red Is Dawn? Storm sewer pipes? I'm pretty sure that's a Red yeah. Dawn film. It could I, be. I don't, you know... I mean, it, it's one of those that it was, it'll be on Fox News. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Or G4 will show it, you know, movies that don't suck, and then they'll show it like every day for a month. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, also, I mean, like this week, um, let's see, I think The Reader came out on DVD. Mm-hmm. Again, I'd have to say I recommend the book because it's an intriguing story. But honestly, I don't know that I can recommend the movie. I mean, it's it's not, I, I really don't think that Kate Winslet probably. I don't I don't see that as an Oscar performance. But I mean it's hmm. it's not a bad movie, so right. you know. But like I said, the, the, the book is, is, is much more intriguing. Dude, I watched Time Crimes and that was my movie of the <laughs> month so year so far. I watched the thing about the mouse Des- Desparo. <laughs> I actually like that. I thought it was pretty I haven't good. Seen that. <laughs> my wife actually brought a bunch of DVDs home from the library. 
because uh, she was on spring break. So I saw Borat. Okay. And uh, a bunch of you know old ones that I haven't s- just didn't catch. You like? Came around the first time. Yeah, yeah. That movie I thought was hilarious. It was. It, it, what was funny about it is, yeah, they established that uh, he comes from a real backward society. And then he goes to the United States and pretty much establishes that it's the same way. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, yeah. You know, I Plus. think his Bruno sequel's got an NC-17 rating. Oh. So, I yeah. mean, it could be the most expensive NC-17 movie ever made, unless wow. they can fight the censors down so on that. That has not come out yet? or No, that's coming out. That's, this okay. is about his, uh, I, I believe he's the gay fashion model fashion guy. Right. He's funny. <laughs> yeah, we also watched uh, Catch Twenty Two. Ah, uh, oh, uh, hey, which is an fun. old classic, you know, featuring Art Garfunkel. I mean, that's loads just of awesome. fun, right? But, Art Garfunkel, Adam Arkin, yeah, uh, the late Orson Welles, exactly, Bob Newhart, and, and a whole crapload of B twenty fives. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't you know how they the got plane. that many. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I I feel that Bob Newhart's character is major, 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 major. It was kind of like one of. Uh, my major influences in my state service career. When yeah. I'm out, I'm in. When <laughs> That's I'm in, right. I'm out. <laughs> oh, exactly. He's crawling through the window trying that, to get that, out. That, that it's very, if, yeah, if you're going into government work, you definitely need to oh. watch that movie. Yeah, this movie in Brazil, yes. I think. Yes, you know, That's Brazil. like a training manual. Yes, an office space. Office, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. Yeah, it's a given. I, yeah, I think we all the took something. <laughs> Wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. <laughs> Mr. Nama Jam- well, whatever it's called, he's not working here anymore. <laughs> and I, uh, uh, we also watched Hotel Rwanda. Oh, what did you think so, of that? Uh, I thought it was good. It, it was, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, it's maybe not the kind of thing you want to watch because it points out how, you know, it goes how you didn't really do anything the world community absolutely that. dropped yeah. the ball yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> like, well oh sorry i probably should have wrote my congressman <laughs> i should have been paying yeah. attention uh-huh you yeah. know well don cheetle to me i i really like his work he, he's War really good yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i couldn't um you know I, the, I think the movie was was good to the point where even nick nolte couldn't stink it up Mm, yeah, because you know? I mean, he had this one scene. There was like, "Oh my God, you blow!" <laughs> <laughs> I got he was almost comic relief in a way. But... God, oh, I thought so too. Yeah, but the the real uh, Paul uh, Robosano, or however you pronounce his mm-hmm. le- name, I guess he was quoted uh, later that, and actually, re- re- in reality, things were uh, much more violent, and it was it was much more. Uh, you know, gross, a lot more blood and gore. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, he said no, no one would have watched a movie that that showed it, you know, really how it was. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, he, he right. was pleased with the movie, but, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's slightly different than reality, obviously. Well, you know, I've been um, watching Turner Classic movies, you know, I've, I've watched it for years, but it, it's like their 15th anniversary. And they had this big contest where <clears throat> if you wrote in and, they selected 15 people and you could name the movie that they would play. And then you'd sit there with Robert Osborne, who they never let out of that little room. I'm almost sure. <laughs> and uh, you, you talk about why, why you like the movie and they have just had some really great ones. Like just in one night alone, they had uh, Betty Davis, the letter and uh grand illusion, you know, with of course my role model, Eric Von Stroheim. <laughs> 
<laughs> talking about the night really old grand illusion yes yeah with the world war one era yeah the, the prisoners yeah. of war that movie i love i love that movie too big time because here's some tour trivia go <laughs> that's the movie that i saw with my wife on the uh the first day our, our first date the day i met her we no, went can, to the, you, you watch Grand Illusion on a first date? We, the, wow. We, we had, uh, it was the, <laughs> the, the Wisconsin Film Festival was going oh, on. Oh, sure, sure. And that was the one that fit the time slot we needed to go to. So we just went to that movie. Yeah. You know, did dinner in a movie and I ended up marrying her. And well, there you so, go. But yeah, it was, you know, it's a fun movie. Well, the one movie I caught. I don't know if Grand Illusion is well, a way to start a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're Ted Haggard, you know. Yes. Oh, so. no. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, there's some. Uh... Well, I the one I movie I watched me. at the film yeah. festival this year was uh, the Beetle. You know, because because yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of um, the Volkswagen Beetle. I you know I've uh-huh. had a, a, more than a couple in in my life. I have one now. I have my huh. action crime fighting Beetle, and it's all about the story. I think it was is filmed in Israel about this guy that he has this broken down old VW and he goes on this quest to find all these people who owned it beforehand. And that's one of the things I love about Volkswagens is that yeah, people probably many people probably have owned this car before it gets to you. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted a Carmen Ghia, so I mean, oh, me too. I have yet to lay my hands on one, and it's getting rarer and rarer. But I oh, had a yeah. friend that had two of them. Oh, one, one he drove and one for parts. Ugh. He decided he didn't need that hobby anymore, so he traded both of them to another friend who uh, for a motorcycle. Oh. And then, then he got married, so he had to sell the motorcycle. Oh, that's that's not a good story, Tor. <laughs> you know, it's he like the story downer. we watched. Wasn't He's it, happy now. Wasn't it when we, were, we watched that story on public television when these guys flew up to the Arctic Circle to get that B-29 out of the ice? Oh, and then in yeah. the end, it like it all burned, and this guy died and everything after yeah. working like a dog. We had both seen the same documentary. We just thought, oh, I just wanted to blow my brains out <laughs> after so I watched depressing. that. You know, most things, you know, they, most shows, they succeed and they restore the airplane. This one I think we must have went on about that for about an hour. <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah. This sucks. <laughs> Why? Couldn't you just fly it out? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, you had to burn it up. They left something, some electronics running in the back of the plane that, it was something. that started the fire. It, oh. Some little detail. That's what got Ricky Nelson. After they know. rebuilt all four engines. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the freebasing. That was a lie. Mm. <clears throat> he actually had an old C forty seven. You know, it, it, well, D, the DC DC three and the C forty seven are essentially the same plane, right? So he had one from World War Two, and they they took the aluminum out and put magnesium in, which you know has this lower burning. <laughs> Damn. Magnesium burns. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know, and it's like, well, that wasn't probably smart people. So they would substitute things, and well, maybe that wasn't a good thing to substitute. Yeah. Wow. I was wondering how those guys could get those planes over the Himalayas mm. or the Himalayas. I don't know. However you'd like to say it, <laughs> I don't. I don't like to say Himalayas. It's. It's. I mean, that's like you know using. Like British spellings of things, you know, like color with the U. Or a French yeah. accent if you don't actually speak French. It That's sounds right. a little bit like you're a poser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trying too hard. <laughs> I was telling people, I will get that for you, medium aujourd'hui. I remember when there was a flood. I think there was a flood in um, uh, Mont- Montevideo, uh, Minnesota. 
Ooh. And I'd I'd been through the area a lot. And, <laughs> the and nation's the, capital. The newscast. <laughs> the newscaster in Madison said there was a flood in Montevideo, Minnesota. <laughs> no, no, no. This is Minnesota. It's Montevideo. <laughs> That's close to Muscoda. Montevideo. <laughs> right near Anoka, Halloween capital of the world. <laughs> It's, really, it's yes. known for that? Oh, yeah. No, oh, that's known very for that. cool. <laughs> well, I suppose we should move on to Mr. Jim Henson. Is it episode 72 yet? <laughs> well, it could be. Yeah, yeah. We, we did really, we sidetracked big time on that one. Well, should we sidetrack a little more? Go. Oh. Because you, you mentioned uh, teabagging and the uh, test <laughs> yes. protests earlier. And, and we're talking about the political. Current teabagging, yeah, not the, which, not the teabagging which, that not the first person shooter, <laughs> frag the weak, teabag the dead. <laughs> oh. Well, I I have to assume that the, the conservatives are influenced influenced by that, and that's kind of why they chose that as the yeah. There's theme. a bunch of teabagging. If you don't yeah. know what teabagging is outside of the uh, the the Boston teabag party <laughs> that they've been having. There's a lot of tea bags there too. You could yeah. look it up on the internet, but it's it's really weird that none of these guys uh, were told by at least an aide of theirs. Maybe we shouldn't use the term tea bagging. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Was, was huh? Dirty Sanchez already taken? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can look it up on the internet. I don't know if my sensibilities can explain that. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting the vapors and pity pat. <laughs> the vapors. But you know. <laughs> It's one of those things. I mean, Fox News is just fanning those flames ever higher. They yeah. must be just up 24-7, just getting a little bit tighter. Just... No, this is a grassroots. <laughs> oh, grassroots. Grassroots within the coffee room at Fox <laughs> News. Right, which is why there was just like lines and lines of buses to bring them in. Oh, wow. Now, I yeah. was uh, deep in the bowels of my government office yes and uh, lunchtime came up and i had to cash a check so i thought well, let's just you know go walk outside to the bank and cash right. a check it's a, it was sunny out so i'm like i'll just grab my camera you know maybe there'll be some good shots i didn't know this was going on i walk out and there's all these protesters with their anti-tax signs it's amazing how you can be both anti-tax and anti-deficit but yet pro-military wow so, yeah, the math doesn't quite work. So the money comes from the fifth dimension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So anyway, I thought, well, I'll take my camera. I'll take some pictures of uh, these teabaggers and, you know, just see if I can find any good signs here. And You know, I'm never going to be able to hear that. No, that. I know. I, I've heard so much about teabagging this week. It yeah. has made me laugh so much. I really enjoyed this. So I, it, there, there was... Uh, you know, if any of the pictures turn out after I get the you know dry plates developed, I'll uh, I'll put them on our website. But uh, please do Matthew yeah. Brady over here. <laughs> if there's a guy holding a sign saying "Get a brain, Moran." Yeah, let's get him on there. But there was uh, you know, one sign was uh, claimed that Obama is the Antichrist. Oh, and that he was going to start white slavery. Wow. So I think what we have here is. One, they're really upset that a Democrat's in the White House. Seems to I mean, be. That, that's, I got a feeling if this is a Republican doing the same thing, there's no teabag party. Two, tea it really kind of bugs him that he's black. I, and, that does seem to really be yeah. this sort of friction point. That Yeah, yeah. All right. So there's, there's really this sore loser uh, 
anti-black kind of uh, undercurrents to the whole thing. And You know, the salt of the earth, the common clay of the New West. You yeah, know, yeah. morons. <laughs> <laughs> and they're definitely getting stirred up by the Glenn Becks and the Fox News. Oh, and Glenn all that. Beck. I, then, I, love, I, I love my <laughs> country. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've always suspected that Glenn Beck was probably what you would call clinically higher functioning. Wow. But when he started doing that spiel, I thought, oh, my God. Someone get the dart gun. We're going to have to bring him down hard. <laughs> I don't know if I could work in that newsroom. That means like, to be oh. a cameraman and putting up with that. He's just wow. such a dink. Wow, it's amazing. I mean, he just, you could just listen to it, and it's like, wow. There's really there's nothing there that you could even hold on to as, Oh, yeah, I agree with you, Glenn. When did he move to Fox News? Wasn't he the weirdo on CNN for a while? <laughs> and then he God. moved to Fox News? Yeah, well, I think they all kind of slide yeah, into Fox boom. at one time. <laughs> Eventually they're there. I mean, what's his name? Uh, well, Huckabee is there, you know. Yeah. He's a roving reporter. I just hope Bill O'Reilly yeah. goes back to Inside Edition at some point. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> but really, yeah, the, this whole this whole teabagging thing has been high drama and a lot of fun. Yeah, I, yeah, it's nice to see them out protesting. Um, sure, I don't know yeah. what they're talking they're about. Really, yes, yeah, done. It's all manufactured by the corporate overlords. I think. I, I know, would say that's probably yeah. true. Yeah, you know who's paying for than, all the buses? It's you know, different come than on. the usual. You know, protesters in Madison Capital are usually college students and hippies protesting. Right, right. and this is this is like completely new ground for these Republicans to be protesting. Well, there I would you know I don't yeah. even know if they're conservatives of the, of of the mainstream stripe. I mean, they're probably because it was one thing Scotty Nation's got a lot of outside of the People's Republic of Madison, and that's yeah. libertarians out the kazoo. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's a fair amount of those there, and they're just all <clears throat> over the conservative spectrum. I mean, some of them are so far right, they're left. You know, I mean, they, it just right. goes circular after a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, but they'll <laughs> start telling you about. You know, I don't believe there ought to be drug laws or laws against prostitution. You think, oh, well, you know, that sounds reasonable. Then, woof, you know, I saw Bigfoot in 1952, you know. <laughs> it just it just goes off the deep end. I, you, I can never track these guys for just so long. And then, uh-huh. what the hell are you on about? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think half the crowd at the protest was, like, people from Madison just, like, staring at it because it was kind of <laughs> like... Look, go, go to the monkey house at the zoo. We are great rubberneckers. That's, <laughs> yeah. We will actually back up the interstate for yeah. miles if we think there's been an accident. Honey, can I go in reverse yeah. on the interstate? Because yeah. I want to get another look. Actually, you're not supposed to do that. There's a guy busted for drunk driving last night, or you know, he's speeding on the. Okay, and that's news. Why? This <laughs> is Wisconsin. Yeah, I was gonna say it that. was just on Ooh, the news. Yeah, fairly common. <laughs> Yeah, the point is he got caught. That's yeah, was like yeah. one. <laughs> that's the that's your, oh yeah. <laughs> it, it was the beer can in his hand that made all the difference. <laughs> oh god, you know I love those ads where they pull a guy over and he's like literally floating in beer or a martini or yeah. something yeah. rolls down the window. But the guy that gets me is the dude that's <laughs> that's like clearly drink. He's like you know you got the kind of businessman. He's got the martini and the olives are floating, and you got the kind of blue collar guy, and he's in his truck and it's full of beer. And then you see the other guy, and it's like clearly a Cosmo, and you think, and okay. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, but I mean, a Cosmo is not generally thought of as you know your 
a, a male drink. Yeah. There, I said it. There, I'm out. <laughs> I said good but really, day. But really, that shouldn't bother you. Drink what you like. That's true. You That's know. true. I'm just saying yeah. in the commercial, it seemed like they were saying, oh, look at this rich man yeah. drinking his mm. cosmopolitan. <laughs> so even Aren't he can get posh? arrested for drink driving. There's no mint juleps in those ads, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. The Department of Transportation. DOD or DOD. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just to jump into our main subject for tonight, uh, we would like to talk about Jim Henson, who, as you probably know, is probably the most world-renowned uh, Muppeteer to have walked the uh, face of the oh, earth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he said at one point that the term Muppet was a combination of the term marionette and puppet. And then he said later, well, I might have made that up because it sounded good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Muppet yeah, does Muppet sound just good. sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's something weird about puppets. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing. You know, puppets have been around yeah. for thousands and thousands of years. And, you know, in, in all forms, there's these shadow theaters. There's all these different styles of, you know, puppeteering and... Mm -hmm. Um, don't don't forget ventriloquists. <laughs> I think ventriloquists shouldn't be forgotten, and there's some damn fine ventriloquists. Oh yes, too. there are. Um, yes, there are. But I think <laughs> all right. If you talk about Jim Henson and what he's done to really change the game, you, you go back to like a, a guy like Tony Sark, okay. who was the guy around the turn of the century who really brought marionettes into the public eye as a viable you know form of entertainment that that he could make tons of money off of. Sure. And uh, Tony Sark kind of started the whole thing, and um, he became very famous, and he, uh, I think he performed at the World's Fair at one point. Wow. Um, this is back in the 30s. But one of, his, um, one of his people was Bill Baird, one of the guys who worked for him. Oh. So when Bill Baird, who was a giant influence on Jim Henson, he's, he's always said, uh, when Bill Baird broke off and there were other people who studied under Tony Sarg, they created their own things later on. Tony kind of lost popularity and he ended up dying quite young in like 1942. But Tony mm -hmm. Sarg and Bill Baird were the first people to create the balloons at the um, Macy's Day Parade. So, oh, so they designed and filled and cool. made these balloons and that's why we have them today. And, and those first Macy parades, um, they would at the end of the parade, they would release the balloons and let them float away. That's but, very cool. Yeah, but I think after the uh, airplanes started becoming more popular, yeah, <laughs> decided that was, that was a bad a bit idea. Of a problem having Woody Woodpecker flying past your window. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, and that started in 1928, so that was a long time ago. Good lord! And by 1935, he was doing the windows for Macy's as well. Oh, so yeah, he he seems to be like kind of a. All the people who studied under him kind of went their own directions, and and Bill Baird was one of them that. Uh, that that started his own uh, his own puppeteering and and a lot of this was marionettes uh, it was a very popular form and then the ventriloquists came in and there were a lot of famous ventriloquists um, the one that the one that I don't think Jim Henson marks as one of his big influences that I just really have to mention though mm -hmm. is Paul Winchell oh sure so Paul Winchell had his own show with he had a he had a puppet called Jerry Mahoney mm -hmm. and uh, Paul Winchell I've seen some of the clips of his stuff <laughs> Jerry Mahoney. I've seen clips of his stuff. Well, the reason I like Paul Winchell so much is he was the voice of Tigger on Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. So in all the all the Disney's all the way up until he died, basically he was the voice of uh, Winnie the Pooh. 
He died in like 2005. Or he was the voice of um, Tigger yeah. on Winnie the Pooh. He, I okay. think he voiced um, a lot of characters from you yeah. know animation yes. and you know cartoons. You recognize wow. that voice. He's done some Hanna Barbera. Oh God, yeah. yeah. He's wow. done all kinds of stuff. And he was a wonderful ventriloquist. And the clips I've seen from long, long time ago are just awesome. He's great at it. Oh, he's a very funny man. He also invented and patented the artificial heart. Holy smokes. <laughs> no way. Totally true, not an urban legend. <laughs> so Paul Winchell did? Yeah, he was a he was an amateur inventor. And that's why I really you gotta you, if you wanna dig deeper in Paul Winchell, you can you can. Um I think he's got his own website that's managed well, by someone. Wasn't so, it Jarvik or something? They they developed it after him. He had the patent first and they bought the patent from him. Wow, so they just no perfected shit. it. They perfected it, and they so, claim wow. these parts are not, uh, they're not from his design, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So was he trying to make a, a real living uh, puppet? He was trying to design a little Edward Scissorhands there. Jerry Mahoney needed a heart. Yeah. <laughs> he's been telling him all these times, if I only had a heart. And he's trapped in a box somewhere. Oh, yeah. God. He's trying to claw his way out. But yeah, no. so... Paul Winchell was really awesome. Another, well, Bill Baird did a lot of great stuff for marionettes um, right. and, and a lot of uh, kind of groovy 60s kind of stuff where his puppets were <laughs> carved really well and he tried to give them really great faces and everything. And he did um, he did the, the short uh, puppet film or puppet uh, play Berlin where it's the building of the Berlin Wall and it's hands without puppets. It, it's really wow. kind of dramatic and kind of like dancing but it's just hands it's really cool it's really oh, cool and jim henson's always loved him and he also did the um the lonely goat herder for the sound of music which i think everyone has seen because it's been on tv lately the oh it's it's on yeah the the family channel yeah. it's like, god i would have so turned the von traps into the nazis we actually went and rented it because i didn't want to uh let the seven-year-old viking princess have to watch all the commercials so we watch it again and she loves it oh. Yeah. So I think it's so cute. I was loving when they're hiding from the Nazis, and the one kid turns and says to Julie Andrews, "Is it time to sing?" <laughs> it's, oh yeah, yeah. Sing out really Perfect loud. time to sing. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. After we watched it, she was playing with the dog, saying like, "You know, I'm the good guy, and you're the Nazi." And I was like, "Well, let's not do that at school. <laughs> let's, let's not. Let's stick with some other. <laughs> you're the Nazi. <laughs> let's just not use that for playtime." Oh but but yeah, so Bill Bill Baird was a big influence, and Jim Henson started up um, with an interest in television and in puppeteering in the fifties. Mm -hmm. So when he was in college, he got involved with it. That's right. When didn't he? Um, yeah. Go, Tor. Go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. Well, <laughs> his one of his first shows. I mean, I guess one of you know his his influences were that he always named were you know Edgar Bergen, of course, who you know had a, a variety of different uh, vent ventriloquist mm -hmm, puppets. Mm -hmm. And um, Bert Hillstrom and Bill and Cora Baird of Kukla, Fran, and Ali fame. Yeah. Although, although you know, they they also hosted uh, the International Children's Film Festival, which always came at the end of about a seven or eight hour run of nonstop cartoon watching for me. <laughs> so I always had that kind of weird, lightheaded, headachey <laughs> feeling by the time that they came on. So like Kukla, Fran, and Ali always kind of made me sad. You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I know kinda... they didn't mean that to be that way, but it was like this weird old um like clown puppet. Yeah. And then the kind of dragon. Yeah, Bert Tilstrom didn't think that he, the puppets had to be really well made. He just kind of slapped them together oh, and 
a kukla uh, is Russian for doll. And so oh. kukla is just, yeah, really kind of crazy looking wooden yeah. puppet thing. But, you know, he also didn't script anything for Kukla, Fran and Ollie. It was all completely ad-libbed. He had ideas of where he was going to go, but he refused to ever write a script for his shows, and it was all done off the cuff. I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's a bit creepy. <laughs> well, they well, and then the films that they would show too were always um, <clears throat> like skinny and fatty, you know, of like two friends in Japan, or this one kid who was a pearl diver, and or a diver of some kind, and a free diver, and his best friend was a shark, you know, and he'd watch us, and he keep thinking. I'm not sure what to make of this. But. Yeah. Well, you know, it was exactly that when when Jim Henson was getting started that he decided that these wooden puppets that had faces you couldn't uh, you couldn't change. It'd be really right. cool if they had these felt faces that you could adjust sure. and show more expression and Facial more expression. range of emotion and 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 run them a little more like people. <laughs> well, when he when he started working in um, television in the in the mid '50s. His um, one of his very first um, shows that he did was uh, Sam and Friends, uh, which was a five minute puppet show. And uh, that's where uh, Kermit the Frog originally started, which I always thought was kind of funny that that um, he said that uh, he created the original Kermit the Frog out of his mother's old coat and a ping pong ball. Um, and he wasn't really a frog at first. He was just kind of this weird lizard-like character, and he gra- uh, gradually evolved into Kermit. But yeah, he didn't get that frill around his neck for a long while. No, and that was re- that was added to help hide the uh, the line where the the fabric right <laughs> was where cut you off. Could see, oh, it's a movable head. And that's where he met his wife Jane. She mm-hmm. she helped him um, when he she was a freshman. Um, helped him with this TV show that he was doing. It was really successful right away. And. Uh, he really was impressed with the idea of putting puppets on television so that you wouldn't have to deal with the whole uh, puppet theater. Uh, right. The, the way you'd have to, you could use the frame of the camera as your stage rather and then not worry about where you are. That's right. Uh, if people can see So they you. were standing literally right there with, mm-hmm. and, he, and he also, um, you know, used rods instead of strings so they could get um, more... Uh, more dramatic movement, and as you were saying, the felt would be more flexible so they could actually be seen to speak and have emotions. I mean, Kermit the Frog, for essentially being kind of just like a triangular piece of felt, has a lot of facial expression. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't sure he wanted to create a whole career in puppetry, so I guess he took a trip to Europe and then saw how the <laughs> Europeans, and I think that's serious still today, where Europeans uh, take the puppeteering very seriously as an art form. and Well, it's a much older and established yeah, art form. I yeah, much more established there. But, uh... I mean, here it just goes back to what? Howdy Doody. <laughs> you know, he had a twin He had a twin brother, and I'm not making this up, on the show. Yeah. And do you know this? No, mm-hmm. I do not. His twin brother, Double Doody. <laughs> he, <had a laughs> he had a sister, Heidi Doody. Now, was was Double wow. Doody cut off of his shoulder, Andy Garcia style, or <laughs> oh, was he God. born separate? <laughs> So they weren't separated. Howdy Doody creeped me out. <laughs> yeah, it, that was show was kind of creepy, and and it still was on a little bit when I was a kid. Oh God, yeah, yeah. And they had what well, Captain Kangaroo was was um, the clown. Oh, was he on there? Yeah, that the silent cl- wow. Clarabelle, mm-hmm. oh, who okay. didn't speak for years, and then finally at the end, then they, the camera zooms into Clarabelle wanted to say, "Goodbye, kids." It was just <laughs> like, oh my God, wow. you know that's. Uh, Anyways, but we digress. <laughs> yeah. But he um 
he was very successful with Sam and Friends, but he also had to fund it by making a lot of these commercials, like the right. the Wilkins Coffee commercials, which yeah. <laughs> became very popular. We'll, we'll play a couple clips here. Okay, buddy, what do you think of Wilkins Coffee? I never tasted it. Now, what do you think of Wilkins? We're here to persuade people to drink more Wilkins Coffee. What's the club for? To get their attention. You getting on the Wilkins Coffee bandwagon? Never. No! You either go with Wilkins or you just don't go. If you don't drink Wilkins coffee, you're not all there. Oh, that's a lot of... In fact, without Wilkins coffee, you're nowhere. I wouldn't admit this if I wasn't alone, but I really do like Wilkins coffee. Did you call? What was interesting about the commercials is... He could be much more violent with puppets <laughs> than you could be with real people. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, they and, had an edge to him. Yeah, and they sold. Like, they were yeah. very successful. He ran, these ran in all kinds of different markets for all kinds of different coffee companies as well. <laughs> so, yeah, people. Is it on the order of maybe about around 900 or so? Yeah. He, I think. He never really liked having to do this, but <laughs> but it worked for him. <laughs> but it wasn't until uh, he hooked up with. Uh, the Sesame Street gig, right? Uh, that he really started to get to have a little more control over. So maybe three hundred coffee ads. What yeah, he did, my... right? Yeah, you but... can find them on YouTube. If you know what's great about yeah. this is a lot of this must have fallen out of copyright or something, or you know Jim Henson didn't own the copyright for the coffee company ads. Right, they're sh- sure, they're right. all over YouTube, and we can maybe yeah. throw up some links on our website of some YouTube videos that are kind of exemplary of what we're talking about. Right along with some of Tor's teabagging pictures. Yes, with teabagging pictures. (laughs) But there will be no Muppet teabagging. Tor's teabagging. Riot. Yeah, we'll just call it Tor's teabagging gallery. (laughs) We'll put a link to teabagging on our site. uh, Oh, God, Tank Riot will pop up. Yeah, we'll see all these other sites. like, all good. Who shows up knocking on Tank Riot's door? Oh, boy. I'm so glad. But but so, what's her name? Joan Cooley, who started Mm -hmm. uh, the... Children's television workshop workshop and uh, they they what they really wanted to do was have small f- films for about five year old range you know four year old mm-hmm. not much younger at the time they were trying to hit the more uh, five year old audience and they'd have puppet segments and they they'd have people segments and they didn't even decide on the name Sesame Street till the very end it was like the name they hated the least so they decided right. to go with it even though they thought it'd be hard for kids to understand or oh. pronounce Sesame Street I think that was probably like the nation's first real introduction to to the Muppets. Absolutely, right. really. yes. And, and it's still a very lasting influence now. I mean, it's still on. Yeah, it's Absolutely. still on. Exactly, yeah. making new episodes. But, but in, in test reels, it didn't play well. Um, psychologists had said, keep the puppets separate because you don't want people intermingling with the puppets because right. that'll confuse the children. And in the test markets, they ran these these on it, it bombed and they said well forget the psychologist we'll just do it this way anyway yeah. <laughs> and oh, so the then they started care less. yeah and that's yeah. when they created big bird and they created oscar the grouch and oh, these people man. on the street to interact with people and, and uh, i turned out okay <laughs> oh yeah i mean i, <laughs> well, wasn't so I was gonna <laughs> tell you <laughs> You know, my favorites were always uh, Grover and Mr. Snuffleupagus. Grover, um, yeah. You yeah, know, Grover. Grover was just it. You know, I yeah, I like Grover, but uh, I also really like Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster, of just, course. Just because me oh, and yeah. Cookie Monster kind of like the same thing, so right, <laughs> lots and lots of cookies. He was just like yeah, and he yeah, and he was just fun. You know? I liked Frazzle. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Frazzle? Yeah. Yeah, some of them just scared me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually had the soundtrack on record. I think I have it here somewhere of 
Uh, he goes rawr, that means he's happy. He goes rawr, that means he's sad. <laughs> it's it's all about frazzle. Wow. I, sure I think I it's got frazzle. so many scratches and skips in the record, I can't play it anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, they made they made a record. They they were very successful on that show, and uh, that was when he was able to give up uh, doing the commercials completely, and he was really happy to be done with that. Oh, you got to mention Bert and Ernie. Oh, Bert and Ernie, yeah. Uh, America's first openly gay couple. <laughs> yeah, now, I, I just loved it when they hit the Bert and Ernie sequences. Let's quash that urban legend right away because they hated that. That drove I them know, nuts. I know, that's not fair. It's I mean, not fair or yeah. funny, but there is a, sh- a film, short film, that, that played at Sundance called uh, Ernest and Bertram. Or, or Bertram and Ernest. I'm not sure which order it goes. <laughs> if you Google it, you can still find that video. I watched it just the other day. Right. Uh, life size. Uh, yeah. Well, they had the one like too. Is is that website is Bert evil for grownups only? And they would when they'd have pictures of Bert with all these like horrendous world leaders, and they had one with Osama bin Laden. And when they were having these huge protests in the Middle East, these guys would get these posters and they download them and they make these big pictures. And here'd be Osama bin Laden. There'd be Bert in the corner. <laughs> and Jim Henson was the voice of Ernie. For all this, which I always yeah. loved Ernie. And he had a hit song with uh, Rubber Ducky. Rubber Ducky was that an actual saying, billboard yeah. hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which Heck, is, I you know... sing that one to my daughter. Oh, that's cool. You know, he yeah. wasn't, he, he didn't always want to be in children's television, though. So, I mean, he had worked on getting involved in other projects to get his Muppets to the, to the public at large. And, you know, before we go too far, you got to mention the Jimmy Dean show. Because everyone associates uh, Jim Henson with uh, Kermit the Frog. Right. Rolf was the first Muppet, really. Yes. And Rolf appeared on these old black and white Jimmy Dean shows. And oh, yeah. He's fantastic. Rolf the dog, yeah. Rolf the dog, yeah. yeah. And um, he had another player be the one arm. Uh, a lot of these things, like the Swedish chef would be uh, mm-hmm. Jim Henson and Frank Oz doing right. doing the puppeteering. So a did lot he of really predate Kermit the Frog? I mean, Kermit yes, the Frog yes, and he Sam did. and Friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. Sam and Friends is <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and he was one of. I think he was also uh, the piano player in uh, Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem too. He was, and he loved uh, being loved the piano band. player. Yeah, Doctor Teeth is modeled after Doctor John. Oh yeah, and and yeah. He, he loved playing that. Uh, Jane was saying in an interview that I saw that he just loved being able to be that bombastic and and out and and. Mm-hmm loud and that's not how he was normally so he had a lot of fun playing that oh sure and the Swedish chef was one of his favorites as well we've got a, a Rolf story for later on but yeah that's that's good to, to mention that he's that he was the first Muppet. yeah yeah Rolf Rolf is wow. one of my faves and and actually well one that Jim Henson said was probably more you know they always said well Kermit the Frog's kind of your signature character and mm-hmm. he said nah, not so much actually Rolf is is probably more yeah, when huh. they when when people talk about him and his his life, well, later on, um, he he was trying to get the Muppets started. He he'd done some mm-hmm. uh, testing with the Muppet Show in different genres. They they filmed two different um, pilots for the Muppet Show. the 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 Muppets uh, Sex and Violence was <laughs> was done second. The first one was the Muppets Valentine Show. Oh, God, um, and they had trouble getting him picked up. And um, well, actually, in between before the Muppet Show aired, though, they did have uh, about a one year gig on the early uh, Saturday Night Live, which I I do remember. I mean, I remember when the show first came on. And in fact, um, I got the best of Saturday Night Live the the first uh, years. Mm -hmm. Uh And they have um, 
Jim the Henson. Gorch, is it? Yeah, yeah, in the land of Gorch. The land of Gorch. And I thought they were goddamn hilarious, but I, I'm, apparently it didn't it didn't show well. Well, the writers didn't like writing for puppets, and yeah, and yeah. That, that is a yeah, that so is a dick that. quote that I read, um, where the guy said, "I don't write for felt." I'm like, yeah, okay, go do some more cocaine because you write yeah. for John Belushi. Yeah, no <laughs> right. kidding. You yeah, can't write yeah. for felt, but you can write for John Belushi. I mean, oh, there's so much. So you're okay writing for meat puppets, but <laughs> you just can't do it for felt yeah, puppets, Wells. You know, yeah, I, I like the meat you. puppets. I've <laughs> enjoyed a lot of the Saturday Night Live sketches, but there's a lot of them where it's they think of one lame joke and then they just repeat it over oh, and over yeah. again. Or make it into a movie, a full-length movie, even though it's like about a two-minute sketch. Uh, yeah. I'm waiting so... for the MacGruber movie. Oh. MacGruber. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although those were pretty good commercials. I just I like mean. that they had Richard Dean <laughs> oh, uh, in MacGruber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that mullet that looked like it went through a lawnmower. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so it didn't work out real well for them on Saturday Night Live. No. And, um, and in fact, the Muppet Show, I mean, he had to essentially, like Jimi Hendrix, he had to take it to England. Well, because he got funding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what was his name? Uh, Lou... Oh, Lord Lou Grade. Lord Lou Grade. <laughs> so uh, Benson Honeydew is modeled after him. Benson Honeydew. <laughs> <laughs> it looks kind of like him. And uh, he was honored to be uh, He modeled. was just like this head with oh. the glasses. I mean, he didn't have eyes. He didn't have anything. But he, he was, was really classic, great. One of my favorites. And, oh, you know, yeah. Benson Honeydew showed up first without Beaker. And Beaker was a lot of people's you know favorite as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But he I, definitely, having someone like Beaker next to him made it made it more fun. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. His my, only words are meep and badly temporary. <laughs> my, <laughs> my friends and I, you know, back in the late seventies, early eighties, man, we just like riff on Beaker and, uh, you know, you know, act out Beaker scenes right and left. It oh was, yeah, it's very addictive. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember Beaker this or not. <laughs> I mean, the Muppet Show was was very popular and it was on prime time. Yeah, yeah I, I I watched it every every time. Oh yeah, I mean, you never missed one of those episodes, and they were always had you know pretty good hosts. And they did all these little, you know, skits and vignettes, you know, pigs in space. And yeah, I love those. Well, Dr. Strange Pork made Dr. after Dr. Strange Love. Wow. <laughs> that was the name a good anyway. one. <laughs> the one, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, though, but there was a time when, you know, Johnny Carson was trying to pick who the next host was. And so he had like some of his regular guest hosts you know so like they could be tapped at any time and they were kind of like the reserve list but then he had a lot of people that would just do he'd ask to do the show and he actually had uh a week or i mean maybe it was just one night or it was a few days or whatever but kermit the frog hosted the tonight show really and my God! So everyone in my college dorm said, "Oh Jesus, we we have got to get watched." Yeah, that sounds vaguely that. familiar. Oh, so so, like, so the so the curtain opens, and here comes Kermit kind of bouncing, out, you know, just like Johnny would, and he starts he starts doing the monologue. You know, it was like so hot in Burbank. Oh my God, we had just tears running down our face. So then he, he goes over to the desk and they got it set up for him and they put a little pencil in his hand and he starts tapping it like Johnny did. And there's Ed McMahon and he goes, oh, if my Marine buddies could see me now, oh, oh, oh. You know? And then Kermit starts starts dumping all over Doc about the clothes he's wearing and it was just, oh my God. 
I had that's probably was my favorite Tonight Show episode was when Kermit hosted. But oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, yeah, well, I he did a lot of other that. a lot of appearances, uh, you know, throughout on a lot of different television shows. Yes, that he was, did. That was kind of his only outlet for a while for getting mm-hmm. the Muppets out into the public eye. Yeah, I mean, and like I say, the 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 until the Muppet Show aired in '76, then everyone realized, oh my God, this is you know this is fantastic. This is you know yeah. More, please. Yeah, uh-huh. and, you know his wife had a bunch of children. <laughs> they were five. Busy, they were busy with that, and she she helped him out a lot with the puppeteering. And so he had to hire other people to help him. So that's when he hired Frank Oz, and he Boys hired Miss Piggy, probably most notable. Yeah, and Jerry Jewel, well Yoda. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this is this is kind of back in the '60s, right? Even so, for the commercials and right. That well, kind actually, of yeah, he met Frank Oz in like '61. Yeah, think. yeah. And then yeah. he ended up hiring like Jerry Jewel mm-hmm. as a writer. Um, and he started meeting these other great people who were very interested. One of my favorite people is Dave Goals. Right. And he was working, I believe, in an R&D uh, lab for Hewlett Packard. Oh, God. And uh, he was just fascinated with these things. And the Muppet Show had just started. And he started designing his own and, and thinking this would be really fun and ended up uh, trying out and getting a job at the Muppet Show. So, you know, the Muppet Show got in full swing and that, you know, Gonzo showed up. And that's who Dave Goals was. And, uh, oh, wow, the great Gonzo. The wow. great Gonzo. And Gonzo had shown up as a character with a different name earlier. And, you know, there's no need for us to do the entire history of The Muppet Show because, really, there's a Muppet wiki out there that if you're really into this, you... You can find out anything. You can find yeah, hundreds yeah. and hundreds of pages of documents what the on internet this. is for. It's really what it's for. And and I, I really... We're not that long of a show. So, I mean, there's a few things we can touch on. But sure. I love his portrayal of Gonzo. And he was an outsider. He was not trained classically as a puppeteer like a lot of the other people. He came in as a total computer guy who was had a, a love of these things. And when he became Gonzo, he was nervous about having a voice, nervous about being able to do it. And Gonzo's eyes were tilted down, so he looked kind of like a sad sack, and he played him like a sad sack. And he really kind of embodied that character with his own personality because he didn't feel, he felt like an outsider among all these puppeteers and actors and and then he he slowly became Gonzo, and and for the, I think the second season, asked Jim Henson if he could make more lifelike eyes for Gonzo, so that he could you know act in different ways. And Jim Henson gave him the go ahead to design Gonzo himself, and and then his eyes kind of changed and right. got more expressive. He got and, lids, and mm-hmm. yeah, everything. He became more of an overconfident stuntman who'd do anything, and that's when he got a lot <clears throat> more silly and fun. And the whole chicken fetish <laughs> that he's got. I didn't oh, even yeah, trip to the fact that he was a rooster until all those hens started following him around. I honestly didn't know he was supposed to be a rooster. Well, that was the thing is he had a skit with a bunch of uh, tryouts of chickens and he just ad-libbed at one point, I'm sorry, honey, but nice legs though. <laughs> and he realized, okay, I've got another angle on Gonzo I can work. And they kind of worked that up into the whole chicken thing. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, wow. he's really had a, and, and because of Jim Henson's untimely death and, and a couple other, you know, missing Muppeteers, Gonzo's kind of taken off, and and he's been doing a lot more like the, the movies. He, he became more of a central character with the loss oh, yeah. of, with the loss of right. Jim Henson. Now I believe Gonzo was introduced in the very first Muppet movie. Is that no? He was on the Muppet Show. He was on the Muppet mm-hmm. Show. He was yeah. in season one. And okay. It is kind of sad that this is taking a long time for these things to become available, but there's an archivist, um, at at Muppet. Uh, Henson Entertainment, mm-hmm. 
uh, where they're working on releasing these things on DVD so that the public can get them. They started with these best ofs, which drives me crazy. That's like right. buying the best of your favorite band because I buy an album because I want to hear all their songs, you know, and I, yeah. when I want to see the Muppet show, I want to see the entire Ruth Buzzy show. I want to see the entire <laughs> the Zero style show. You know, I yeah, want to see yeah. exactly what happened. Sure. I, I don't want to see yeah. you jump from Mark Hamill and then you go to this or clip that. Clip shows can get very annoying. Very yes, annoying. And can. the Muppet Show is a clip show already. So yeah. they're finally releasing them. Um, season two is out. I, I'm not sure how far up they go, but uh, we've mm -hmm. we've been watching season one relentlessly around here. Oh, that's and great. the seven-year-old Viking princess is loving it. <laughs> well... Mm -hmm. Um, I can remember uh, when the Muppet movie, which was their their big move from the Muppet Show to the big screen, seventy nine, uh, the and yep. I have on DVD too. Be, and with the, it had a it had a hit song, The Rainbow Connection, which was written by the Carpenters writer. Yes, really. Yes, he was a he was a guest on season one, and I for some reason can't think of his name right off the top of my head. Hmm. He's the well, guy with the longer hair and the glasses. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, the, at, at first, they, you know, the Muppets weren't so popular, so they had to get people who were friends of friends and get them to be the guest until um, I think it was uh, there was a, a dancer, a ballet dancer who was on it. And that that made it really popular for other guests. So, oh, well, he, he'll do the Muppet Show. I'll go do right. the Muppet Show, too. And then people started getting excited about being the guest on this crazy puppet show. Uh -huh. <laughs> I have to confess, uh, during the Muppet movie, when the part came where uh, Kermit the Frog was riding the 10 speed bike. I almost shit. I mean, I just yeah. could not believe that. I was like, That's, oh my God. That was the famous line of Gone with the Schwinn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, nice. my, but my favorite line in the whole movie is uh, when they go to the used car lot. Right. And they meet Jack. Don't they meet Sweetums there too? Well, but, but Jack has to clarify things. He says, uh, <laughs> Jack not name. Jack Job. <laughs> I love that. That was a That's good one. That's one of my favorite or, movie quotes of all time. I'm looking for direction. Have you tried Hare Krishna? <laughs> we seem to have come to a fork in the road. Yeah. And there's like a, literally a Go fork around there. it. You know, we are forgetting a couple of my favorite uh, Muppet characters, though. Uh, Fozzie Bear. You know, oh, the, yeah. you know the, the vaudeville comedian. And, of course... <laughs> Frank uh, Oz. Lou Zealand <laughs> and his Zealand. boomerang fish. That guy would come on. And he'd have that weird Elizabethan double around his neck, and he'd go, "Well, let's see if oh, we yeah. can get this to work this week." And he'd whip the fish out. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know why that just hit me where I live. I well, the, then there's Statler and Waldorf. Is that, is that oh, the two yeah. old guys? Oh, in the the hackers. Yeah, the well, named, oh, oh, oh. named after the famous hotel. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, okay. And Waldorf's wife is Astoria. <laughs> That's her name. <laughs> but yeah, oh, yeah, those guys, those guys are fantastic. And one of them was uh, Jim Henson as well. So oh, wow. he did a lot of the, the puppetry <laughs> and the voices for a lot of those characters. But uh, Yeah, and of course... Uh, Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem we mentioned, but there's also Zoot, Zoot. Yes. playing the saxophone and Animal on drums, which yes. is just classic. Yeah. And Zoot was Dave Goals yeah. as well. Okay. I love... Who is... Um, who's the guy on sax? Zoot. Zoot. Oh, that was Zoot. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. I'm, I guess, you know, I, I don't know if I ever knew his dun, name. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I guess uh, you know. Of course, we we have to mention the Muppets' contribution to the Star Wars trilogy. 
That's right. You know, they originally wanted Jim Henson to do the voice of Yoda. Yeah. And I don't he, remember he why suggested, he said no. I think Henson suggested Frank Oz. Yeah, yeah. he he. It, there was, yeah. I mean, no other time commitment. He just thought, I think Frank Oz would do this much more effectively. And honestly, I mean, and I know I've said this on other podcasts, but there is no comparison between the digital Yoda and the Muppet Yoda. Just, just, there just isn't. And I got to say, I was reading an article that, that said yeah. that um, even Frank Oz, when, when there's, people are criticizing the CGI Yoda, Frank Oz was like, he should have done that long ago. You know, that, that's the way he should have gone, is CGI all the way. So, you know, hmm. I, that's funny that that's his opinion, but I really do think the Muppet Yoda was oh, just God, fine. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Like, when he, yeah. when he when first, I first saw that Muppet it, Yoda, I freaked out. Oh, God. When, when he first... <laughs> um, you know, lands on the swamp planet and he and he sees him and he's trying to play like he's like some crazy old prospector. Or Met something. him in a swamp yeah. down in Dago by. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, <laughs> you know, and he's looking at you know looking through his backpack and everything, and it was like, oh my god, that was classic yeah. stuff. And then of yeah. course, um, in I think uh, it was Frank Oz that came up with that whole speech thing too, the subject verb. You know, right. oh, <laughs> yeah, that the syntax is a little choppy, <laughs> yeah. uh huh. But, um, and then of course, in uh, the Jedi Returns, uh, you know, it did all the um, Return of the Jedi, yeah, <laughs> no, the it's Jedi called the Jedi Returns. The Jedi Return, <laughs> here comes the mail, <laughs> it's, the, it's not called it? the Jedi Return, <laughs> Jedi isn't come it, back. Uh, <laughs> Ewok time. Isn't it shaving Ryan's Ewok. privates? I forget now. Is it E.T. the extra testicle? I, I don't uh-huh. <laughs> Hey, don't talk about teabagging again. <laughs> no teabagging, damn it. This is a class choice. It's a family show. Yeah. No. <laughs> we really want to get re- really nerdy. I could say it's Revenge of the Jedi. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. working title. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I found it digging through the dumpster. Best working title <laughs> ever. Magic. <laughs> when I was a kid, I have to admit I read the making of Return of the Jedi. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a pant load. Yeah. Chat. yeah. So, <laughs> that anyway. Well, Return of the Jedi. It it, it really wasn't just. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It, it was more than just Yoda in that movie. Well, there's, the there's Ewok. Muppets all over the place. Yeah, I mean, but it was Yoda yeah. and Empire. Strikes Back and yeah, you know the Jim right. Henson Creature Shop has worked on a lot of other projects as well. As, you know, oh, yes. We'll get to I'm sure. Yeah, but what, there's some little rat guy in the. I think it, uh, that was uh, one of his the... his more famous characters, Jimmy the Douchebag. <laughs> 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 Wasn't like Stiglitz and Teddy or the something like that. <laughs> anyway. Oh no, no, oh. you're just not taking this seriously. <laughs> But then, All right. um, Jim Henson uh, wanted to move into more serious material, and and not necessarily because you know he was a dark, depressive person. In fact, not so at all. Very no, a lot of people mm-hmm. describe him as Kermit the Frog. Like he would be a yeah. very sensible, yeah. kind person trying to yes. keep the mayhem in check around him. <laughs> That's right. And and uh, but but he wanted puppetry to go to the next level mm-hmm. where you could do dramatic themes and stories and you wanted people, to push the envelope yeah to push the envelope so that you know mm-hmm. people would say oh i'm not looking at a puppet this is actually this you know living breathing character you know and so and toward that end he uh worked on the on the movie in 82 the dark crystal which i i mean when the first time i saw it i was i was really amazed i mean it was it was a very big departure from 
you know, Sesame Street and can't and imagine the amount show. of work that went into that. I mean, it's just insane. It was all enveloping the the whole the swamp scenes and everything. Oh yeah. Uh, you know the. If our listeners haven't seen this movie, I definitely recommend it. It's truly, yeah, truly fantastic. And you know, we should say too that I mean, there, there's been a host of other Muppet movies too. I mean, it wasn't just the Muppet movie. I mean, Great Muppet Caper and oh yeah, that on and on. And there's holiday specials and all kinds. Oh of yeah, stuff. the 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 uh, Christmas the Muppet Christmas Carol, the Muppet Christmas Carol. But I got to say, the John Denver Christmas with the Muppets is also a beloved. Because Jen Denver uh, himself was basically like, could be a Muppet, maybe he's a real person, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not really sure, you know, mm-hmm. so, but I do remember that, and he he played well with the Muppets. Very well, very well. Yeah. And I also love, as a Christmas film, as we're approaching the Christmas season, not really, uh, <laughs> Emmett Otter's Jugman Christmas. And that is, that is awesome. Okay. With the Riverbottom Nightmare Band. Riverbottom Nightmare Band. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm sure I've said this before. <laughs> if you ever want to borrow the DVD, yeah. let me know. I suggest 3 a.m. to start watching it. Okay. <laughs> Light some incense and just think about things. <laughs> just think about... Well, when, the first time I ever saw a Muppet Christmas Carol, I was just kind of like, oh, you know, this would be kind of fun to watch. Oh, my God, it was actually pretty dramatic. And mm-hmm. we had Michael Caine as Scrooge. Mm-hmm. And then they had, like, all the little you know, Dickensian little rats running around and... <laughs> Um, then when they go to Bob Cratchit's house, it's like Miss Piggy, it's Mrs. Cratchit, and Kermit, of course, is Bob Cratchit, and all the Robin. kids are like pigs, and, <laughs> and Robin is little Timmy. But then you you know you end up having like getting all misty because it's actually they're playing it dramatically as hell. My favorite wow. gag in that film is Sam the Eagle as a school teacher going, "It is the American way." Oh, and someone you make whispers a great to him, "School teacher, yeah." Oh, it is the British way. (laughs) (laughs) And then the quadrupeds are wandering around without any clothing on. (laughs) That's excellent. Oh, God. And then... uh, All right, so the Dark Crystal was really... he. This is where uh, he co-directed that with Frank Oz. Right. And this is... Frank Oz started to go into more directing rather than puppeteering. Right. And and so they co-directed it, and it was a success. And it was a box office, you know, considered a box office success, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they jumped right from that into Fraggle Rock, which yeah. is pretty crazy. My brother was huge into Fraggle Rock. I love Gobo Wembley Boober Mokey Red. <laughs> that was an entertaining show. I mean, it was just fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. And it brought the whole cast of characters, the whole the voice actors. I mean, you have... Uh, Jerry Nelson as Gobo, Richard Hunt, <laughs> Jim Henson, uh, Gerard Parks. That's right. Doc was Gerard Parks. Mm-hmm. And you'll appreciate this. He was also the, and I, I couldn't think I could pull off a connection here. He was also the uh, Tourette's Syndrome uh, informant in uh, Boondock Saints. Get out of here. No. <laughs> yeah, Doc from Fraggle Rock shows up in Boondock Saints. Oh. So there we go. We mentioned Boondock Saints once again. Thank you. <laughs> we've made, we've used that, was, that touchstone. That was for you, Sputnik. <laughs> but you got Steve, Steve Whitmer, Dave Goals, Catherine Mullen, uh, Karen Prell. I mean, 
this is a good cast. This is the original cast. Ran, what, four seasons from 83 to 87. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to make it animated. <laughs> yeah, which made no me sense why. to me, but oh. Oh, okay, whatever. The only good thing about the animated version is the voice of Gobo was uh, Townsend Coleman. You love Townsend Coleman, right? I don't know what's he done. He's the voice of the tick. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, and the animated cool. tick. The animated tick, the not, animated not Patrick Warburton. Not yeah, Patrick yeah. Warburton. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, this guy's a voice actor from for everything. The guy wow. does everything. He's City. also in Spirited Away. He's the voice of No Face. That guy's crazy. But wow. yeah, that's the only thing I'd ever want to say about the animated version. But Jim Henson played Cantus the minstrel in that. Uh, oh. So he was still really heavily involved at the time. Sure, sure, very much And so. so while they're doing the Fraggle Rock episodes, they're working up the next movie. Right. Which is Labyrinth. With David Bowie. And? Uh, Jimmy the Douchebag. <laughs> no, who's the, what's the name of the woman in that film? <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. Jennifer Connelly. Oh sure, yeah. Oh, I feel I feel terrible that I, I forgot know. her name. I forgot her oh. eyebrows. <laughs> no, those were kind of Muppet like. I liked Labyrinth. I, Labyrinth you know, was a very good movie. Yeah, I've, I've rewatched it with uh, my daughter, and and it is a it is a really great movie. It's very scary for the very young. Like yeah, that not... that beginning part is just really scary mm-hmm. with the uh, with them stealing the baby in the night. Right. You know, <laughs> a little scary. But I mean that—that's what a lot of folklore was based around, mm-hmm. was you know child stealing and mm-hmm. kidnapping. And he got really depressed after this film got released, and critically, it it's wasn't it did, 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 because it didn't do as well. It didn't do as well, right? It, it was so expensive to make, but it didn't make the money back so much. But it was critically pretty well accepted. Exactly. So, and it's, now it's a giant cult hit. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. You it's, can almost never find it in a DVD store because, like, somebody has always got this out. Yeah, it's. It's one of Bowie's most fun performances. Oh, but to be sure, yeah. And it had all the classic Muppet trademarks with going mm-hmm. through the labyrinth. I thought it was fantastic. So. I, I, I like the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dark Crystal and The Labyrinth, I think, are, are two very good movies. And again, if you haven't seen them, mm-hmm. by all means, give it a shot trying to rent them. He also worked on the Storyteller Project as well, which I really loved because you weren't tied down so much in the Muppet world. You you were telling these classic folklore mm-hmm. tales. One of my all-time favorites was, uh, I think it's called The Man Who Caught Death. Right. About the guy who catches death and then no one can die anymore, right. no matter what happens to them. And it's just it's just creepy and dark, and the demons are really well-done Muppets. And uh, they, were, they were just really great stories. They were good stories, and some of them could be just kind of like uplifting morals. But then there were there was a lot of them that were kind of a combination of Twilight Zone and Night Gallery. They just had this weird twist in them that it's like, oh Jesus, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they were yeah they were dark, and and his his work did get a little more mature um, later on. Yeah, I mean I think people use the wrong terms to describe this period in his career. Is they always like, oh it's darker and it's depressing, and it's like I just he was not that type of person. Right, you know, and I don't think it's depressing. It's just it wasn't Sesame Street. It wasn't Sesame Street, exactly. You know? it, yeah. that, that's what his chief crime it, was. It was just more ooh. mature materials. <laughs> like, well, yeah, and, that, that you know. just this shows, shows he had a uh, you know range to what he could do. He he wasn't uh he he wasn't a one trick pony. You know, no, 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 not by by any means. But um, <laughs> one of the shows that he worked on later in his life, although did not 
you know, live to see realized was dinosaurs. Not the mama. And I loved that show. I, was I was addicted to that show. Yeah, if you think about it, he always had this spirituality and this this humanity to his works about mm -hmm. being nice to each other, being kind to each other. And, yes. And the negative morality in the dinosaur culture was not being good to the environment. Right. Like these were very wasteful culture. Mm -hmm. You know, he there was still some social criticism going on there. There, this is like some of the best social criticism and, and political parody is in, is in that show. If you can rent it, if you can find it anywhere, by all means, watch Dinosaurs. That's a great show. It was, yeah, it was great. Baby Sinclair. <laughs> Baby Sinclair. And I think that one of the announcers was the voice of um, Michael Dorn, as, mm. as we all remember, as Lieutenant Wolf. Wow. Yeah. Well, he Baby was Sinclair was the voice of Elmo. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, really. That kind of makes sense. Because, yeah. You know, I, I do like Elmo, but Elmo was introduced to, to because they started realizing the demographic market for Sesame Street was going down. So they wanted someone who could uh, reach the three and four-year-olds. Someone who could be like pre-fetal. Yeah, and I actually <laughs> forgot his name. I think it's like Keith Clark or something like that. But he... um. He found this old red Muppet that was laying around uh, Sesame Street that no one could do anything. It had been laying there since the 60s or 70s. And Whoa. no one really had gotten it to perform anything. There were rats anything. living in it. And he just, started, <laughs> he just started doing this Elmo character, and everyone just started writing for that because it was so wow. he was so engaging with Elmo. And that's why Elmo became you know, a late hit. But yeah, he was the voice of Baby Sinclair, and you can totally hear oh, it. Oh, funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know Elmo is like a down market, and most people think pejoratively about him, but... I don't know. Well, a lot of kids love him. Elmo's World is a very popular skit. Yeah, nowadays. Well, sure. Absolutely. Yep. But yeah, he died right before Dinosaurs was actually done. He was really involved in the development. He was really invested in it, and he got really sick. Well, he died in yeah. 1990 of uh, streptococcal toxic shock syndrome. I mean, he essentially uh, was walking around. Uh, well, he had walking pneumonia for several days. And he was on the Arsenio Hall show. And I think that was Rolf on the Arsenio Hall show. I don't remember him. And he said he had like a sore throat or something. And he didn't, he didn't, I mean, this was Jim Henson as a person. He didn't want to be a bother to anyone, so he didn't say anything. And of course, by the time that, yeah. you know, he did say something, it was There it was are times when you should go to the doctor. You should get, go to the doctor. Get and, a strep test and, you know, all that good but, stuff. Get not Dr. Bob. Not Dr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, um. <laughs> So he, you know, died. I'd say relatively young, and 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 certainly I would say way too early. Way, yeah, yes, very very early. I can remember um, hearing descriptions of, and in fact, Life magazine had um, a series of you know pictures and an article about his funeral, and it was attended by um, you know like two thousand over two thousand people. And it was a very warm day, and you know people were in in the church and and everything. And someone started playing "It's Not Easy Being Green," <laughs> and I guess there was not a dry eye in the house. And and you could just imagine that too. I, I think mean, it was oh Carol Spinney singing it in the big bird suit. Oh, I saw that video. I think that's still on YouTube. God, today. Oh, it's all over YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's not that easy being green. Having to spend the day the color of the leaves When I think it could be nicer 
be in red or yellow or gold or something much more colorful like that. It's not easy being green. It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things. And people tend to pass you over. Because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles on the water or stars in the sky. But green is the color of spring. And green can be cool and friendly like. And green can be big like a mountain or tall as a tree or big as a sea. When green is all there is to be, it could make you wonder why. But why wonder? Why wonder? I am green, and it'll do fine. It's beautiful, and I think it's what I want to be. Thank you, Kermit. You know, Victor, you were talking about Rolf the dog, and and um, the there was uh, a feeling or a rumor. I don't know. It was, but that Rolf the dog would never be used again after. Yeah, Hansen's they sh- they shelved Rolf for a while. Right. Uh, they weren't well, using him for a long time, and I think who who was the voice who picked him up again? Was it Steve Whitmer? I think that's correct. But it, it was so. It, it, there was as a memorial. Um, Rolf is is in uh, shots of Muppet Treasure Island, but he does not speak mm-hmm. at all. So, but they yeah. started to work him back in now, and people are kind of excited that they're doing. Well, that that's good because I mean he was a great character, right? And, but um, there's a couple other really weird pop culture references that that I stumbled on. Is that um, you know the dream sequence um, from American Werewolf in London? Yeah, his character is watching the Muppet Show. Oh god! At the time, and that's great. In the oh. credits for American Werewolf in London, uh, Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog are played by themselves, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Himself, herself. Wow, I thought that was kind of cool. And I, so, I mean, I, I guess I'd have to say that in an effort to uh, form a an anti douchery gallery, um, you have to say, you know, Mister Rogers and Jim Henson are are two people that stand very tall in that. Because mm-hmm. they they definitely left the world a lot better uh, than it was before, and right. uh, contributed a lot to uh, kids having a very positive upbringing and an outlook on life, and and I think made a lot of adults happy. I know he made this adult pretty happy a lot of times watching a lot of his work. So. Oh yeah, his work is a big part of my yeah. life. Yeah, you know, I don't uh-huh. I don't think. Uh, and if you think about what the the creature shop has been doing, like Farscape. Fantastic. Oh, God, thank you, Victor. Yeah. I, I totally forgot that love, the, the Rigel character. Yeah, love Far, Farscape. I mean, they did all the monsters for that and all the yeah, bad oh, guys yeah, and Rigel and everything. Yeah, uh, just a great, great show. Um, there, there's a lot of other kids' program programming they did, like the, the Brats of the Lost Nebula, and, and they actually are involved in Sid the Science Kid, which I know we railed against a little bit because I've seen just <laughs> snippets of it, and I'm not that impressed. But, hey, you don't have to love everything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a couple of uh, tributes that I think deserve mentioning is that uh, both Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, 
The Secret of the Ooze, and The Muppet Christmas Carol, which we talked about before, are both dedicated to Jim Henson. And also, Henson, as himself, and Kermit the Frog have stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The only other person to have that is Mel Blanc and Bugs Bunny. Wow. Which I think is very, <laughs> yeah. very cool. Yeah. In good company. I yep. would say. Uh-huh. I would say. And we all like Mel Blanc, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, God, there now there's a podcast right there. It's just Mel Blanc. Yeah, yeah, and it's an urban legend that he's allergic to carrots. Mel Blanc is not <laughs> allergic to carrots. Yeah. Because <laughs> he did a lot of great characters before he did, uh, what was it, Tweaky on Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Blow me, Buck. Remember that? He was like this little toaster that kept running around. That was Mel Blanc? Well, actually, he wasn't a toaster. He looked like a little steel dildo is what he looked like. Wow. Interesting. I think. So, let's go to the mailbag. I will start out with an email from David. And uh, <laughs> he, he's gone. Dear David. <laughs> <laughs> David has gone back into the Tank Riot archives, I believe all the way down to episode 12. And yes, you can do that. You can listen to all the Tank Riot episodes. We allow that? Yes, we yes. do. We have not copyrighted any of our material. <laughs> well, we've copyrighted all of it, but the but we, we're open we, to we, anybody. We, we let you freely download it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you just can't sell it without we're like cutting us in on a deal. Creative Commons license at the moment. Yeah, we'll look into Creative Commons. We have to understand it first, <laughs> right? It's like the GNU license. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, he he uh, uh, listened to the Studio Ghibli episode, and he wanted to know if we have seen Whisper of the Heart. And I have to say, I have not seen that yet. No, about, I have not either. How about you, Victor? Have you seen it? Yeah, I have seen it. And man, I really did did like it. It's a very sweet, romantic film. It's it's very slow. Um, it's it's really well paced and. I, I thought it was just a really magical film, and I, I would suggest people see it. I, I yeah. really I do. It's it's All one right. of my favorites. It's hard to find, though, because a lot of video stores aren't going to have it. Um, I'm sure people are Netflixing, so you can probably get it that way. But yeah, wonderful film. Cool. So thanks for the tip, David. Victor, do you have one? Well, you know, we got an email from uh, Keith Rickert, who was uh, telling us about, I, I had talked about Let the Right One In, a couple podcasts ago, mm -hmm. the vampire film. Right. Really a fantastic vampire film. I can't find that movie. <laughs> it's out. It's out. You can. It's in the video stores. You can rent it. Well, outside of Bongo, where can you find it? Four Stars got it. No way. Yahweh. Okay. Or Yahweh. Um, uh, how about Jimmy the Douchebag falls in love? <laughs> but what I've he been looking all over for that. What he wanted to tell me about, though, is that there's a controversy about this film because uh, of the subtitling. Which I had read about, and I was just appalled because apparently this film was really, really well subtitled um, in a lot of the screeners that went out and in the original version. But when they got a studio release, I I think it's due to the licensing. Um, they didn't want to pay this woman more money who did the original subtitling, so they did really crappy subtitling of just. And, and there was a website that I'd been to uh, that that showed frame-by-frame frame comparisons of really bad subtitles versus really good, well-written subtitles. And I read a lot in Russian and in English, and translation is, for me, a crime if it's done wrong. 
you really can destroy a novel by poorly translating it. One of the, oh, sure. you know, I've got, there's some brilliant translations um, right now of like Master and Margarita into English mm-hmm. from Russian. It's one of my favorite novels. And I've seen poor translations previously. And it's just wonderful when a, a film or a book is really well translated. So I loved watching this controversy and I really do hope they fix the subtitles. But beyond that, I think BitTorrent's your best way to find a good <laughs> subtitle uh, version of it. But, you know, just realize when you're watching the film, you're not getting the best of the dialogue. Uh, from it, and I thought that was kind of a fascinating controversy to have over a really great movie. But oh, okay, yeah, wow. <laughs> well, Sputnik, you got an email? I have one from our winner of our Urban Legend contest, uh, Brian Jacob. Uh, he <laughs> submitted one of our favorite urban legends that Phil Collins wrote in the air tonight about a murder that he'd witnessed as a younger man and that years later he invited the killer to a concert and sang the song to him. We just like to believe anything bad about Phil Collins. So, <laughs> Well, he does wear that headset. <laughs> oh, God. You know, one time, I remember there was this award show that Phil Collins was hosting, and because of the time difference, and anyways, they were they were talking to you too, and they were they were in a pub in Dublin, and it was this was not like a well traveled pub. I mean, it was dark and smoky, and these guys looked like they had been there a while, you know. And they were kind of bitter, and you know, and he, and Phil was like, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, and they were saying, "Hey, Phil, my mom loves your stuff." <laughs> he's just a studio. Yeah, and he's like looking all, oh, I mean, but I do love that song from Miami Vice, and oh, and I remember thinking, oh, God. I remember that same rumor, and so I think that's a great urban legend. I think so too. So. Brian, it's, we will be sending you Scotty swag as soon as you give us your address. Yes, we yeah. also got a lot of great entries. One, for this. Phil Collins. I think <laughs> that album with the "In the Air Tonight" was the first CD I ever bought, <laughs> just because I thought I was supposed to like Phil Collins. Wow. Yeah, I think so, we all did. I soon <laughs> bought other CDs too. I have to round out the collection <laughs> yeah. there. You lied to me. How about Bob Meager? <laughs> no, like I, a rock. I never bought Bob Seeger. No, no. I, actually, I don't know anyone who did. Yeah, in fact, I was on a, a radio. Uh, uh, they paid me fifty bucks, uh, a radio station, to put down what songs I liked and what songs I didn't like. You yeah. know, they'd play them and you'd say good or bad, and I made sure I put bad on every Bob Seeger because I was really tired of hearing <laughs> him on the oh, radio. Just yeah. Too much on the radio. No kidding. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I gotta say, right. we got a lot of really great urban legend emails, and so. Don't feel too bad if you didn't win. We are going to uh, revisit Urban Legends again uh, soon. So if you have any others, feel free to email them to feedback at tankriot.com. If you weren't mentioned today, we'll mention them next time. And Absolutely. We appreciate all the emails about that. Yes, we do. We also got a great email from um, Tamlin Martinovich Faulkner, who wrote in from New Zealand. Ooh. And uh, she made the wonderful connection that we did not even make. Uh, that uh, there is a connection between our Watchmen podcast and our Urban Legend podcast. Uh, Sputnik was talking about the uh, good luck Mr. Gorski from Neil Armstrong Mm -hmm. in the Urban Legends, and in the Watchmen film, 
she put this together that in the montage, and, and I didn't even hear this when I saw the film either time, so I'm sure when I rent it on DVD, I'll catch this, but when uh, Neil Armstrong's on the moon and uh, you see Dr. Manhattan on the moon as well, you can hear him say, good luck, Mr. Gorski, in the Watchmen film. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch wow. that sober this time just to see <laughs> Yeah. That. But you yeah, have to buy the good eyes, good eyes. Disc for no that one. doubt. And thank you so much for emailing us Absolutely. about that one. That we was really cool. That. And we want yeah. to know more about the Uruguayans. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and speaking of Dr. Manhattan, the, NASA recently got a picture of his hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> now this, it's the hand this, of God. This big. When, when are we ever going to find the pancreas of God? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are we ever going to see it up there? Is there a pancreas cluster we the can colon, see? The colon of colon Jesus. Of God. <laughs> Humans are so good at pattern recognition. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you know, the face on Mars. We were just talking about that earlier. I mean, that was just light and shadow and dust. And Oh, no, it's like a sphinx on Mars. <laughs> I think it was an inside job. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's trying to lie to... Did I tell you guys this about? Oh, I must have about the the National Geographic or Nat Geo is uh, had a a show on that was just about moon landing conspiracies, and they had this oh, guy no. who was out in the trailer living with his fifty cats, out, you know, with an airstreamer. Though so many clues, though yeah, he, yeah, yeah. right. Oh, I wonder what he's gonna say. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I could be that guy, and. He said, though he wasn't an engineer at NASA, he was a janitor there for many years. (laughs) And then he's sitting there, like, petting his cats, and these cats are just schooling around him. He's going, you know, um, I never saw a rocket actually take off, you know? (laughs) Like, you know, just, oh, my God, why are you showing this guy? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. UFO Hunters, though, I have really gotten addicted to that show. Right up there with Monster Quest. <laughs> and you know, there's like Monster Quest, Recreation Nation. Those two shows almost invariably are going to take place in, in Scotty Nation. Wow. There is a monster sighting or a, some sort of bar stool race on snow that's going to take place, and they will film it. Hmm. You know, yeah. I forgot to mention That'd this cool. as, as well. Um, currently in production, there is a Fraggle Rock movie being made wow wow. frank zappa's son amit is going to be at the helm so there will (laughs) be a zappa directed (laughs) fraggle rock film hey that can't be bad (laughs) no no i would think that'd be entertaining he probably grew up with it you know gonna do his gig and uh, sure why not (laughs) hey i wanted to mention uh music tonight we uh on our outro are gonna play a song by tom smith tom smith is a filk musician so, you know, filk music is this kind of thing that started up at conventions and has slowly become kind of sci-fi music, music that's written about uh, things that come up at conventions. You can look up <laughs> filk music if you don't know more about it. But Tom Smith can wow. be found at uh, www.tomsmithonline.com. And uh, he's got all kinds of great music out there. Um, look him up. He's available on iTunes. He's working on a studio version of this song. Uh, but this song was written about... You know, a few days after Jim Henson died, he was at a convention, and um, a few hours after he wrote it, he went and sang it live uh, to the group, and it's called A Boy and His Frog. And perfect. I think we should just listen to that on the way out. Good night from Tank Riot. (laughs) 
they think I wouldn't know. They only can see a cheap gimmick on their children's favorite show. They say, oh, that's foam and a wire attached to a green velvet sleeve. Anyone could do that. Well, that's true, I suppose. But who else could make them believe? What can I say without you there to guide me? How else am I supposed to give? How can I sing without you there beside me? How else am I supposed to live? You never could just do the expected. I was just an idea in a bog. But you sewed up your dream and we made quite a team. Jim and Kermit, a boy and his frog. It was me, Rolf, and you, but I think that he knew there was something that you and I had. The magic we made just kept growing, and none of it ever was bad. Then came Ernie and Scooter and Gonzo, Dr. Teeth, Cookie Monster, and more. But now all of those voices are silent, and I want to go on. But what for? No one can make me what you did. No one can walk in your shoes. No one can make me forget you. But that's not a path that I choose. I just can't let it be over. You wouldn't want it that way. So I'll stand up and I'll face it. And though not quite in your voice, I'll say, I will go on without you there to guide me. There's so much more I can give. Wherever I am, you'll be there beside me. As long as I keep you, you'll live. We just wanted to make people smile. I was always much more than your toy. I will never regret, and I'll never forget what we had. I'll miss you, dear. This frog and his boy. that bad. Oh, yeah? Oh, there are parts of it I liked. Yeah, I liked a lot of it. Yeah, it was good. Actually. It was great. It's wonderful. Oh, bravo. More. 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 Down at Fraggle Rock.